In the episode of I Think Therefore I Fan you're about to listen to, we discuss the following works, Countdown, The Ring, Ratter, The Amityville Horror, Nerve, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Psycho, The Silence of the Lambs, The Man with Two Brains, Happy Death Day to You, Groundhog Day, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Scream, The Hills Have Eyes, X-Men, It Too, Dr. Sleep, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, We Need to Talk About Kevin, The Good Son, The Bad Seed, The Ghost of Mr. Chicken, The Testaments, and The Handmaid's Tale. You've been warned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think, Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. Hello, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Okay, so this is the second of a, kind of a two-part sequence um, where we're talking about uh, pop culture and horror films, right? A Halloween tradition with us where we, um, every year around this time, try to incorporate lots of, of horror into our, um, our podcast. And so last week we looked at classic horror films and we just sort of arbitrarily kind of cut things off somewhere around the 1970s early 70s. So now we're looking at, at more contemporary horror films. So, um, and we should also add, this is the final episode of season four. We'll be back in, in a few weeks with um, season five. All new stuff. The entire discipline of philosophy is changing in the next five weeks, so you won't want to miss it because um, <laughs> it's, it's going to be huge. All right. So, um, Rach, what, what were you thinking here? Well, I thought I'd go really modern to start out and talk about some of these films that are uh, turning technology into the basis for horror flicks. Yeah, nice. That's... So motivated in part by the fact that we saw this movie Countdown this weekend. Yeah, which, which was not a great instance of this, right? A really good idea. I don't know that... I. You may correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe there's one that you're think, you, you'll think of, but I'm not sure that there is a great instance of this. Uh, and now I'm thinking of possibly one counterexample but, that I'll mention in a minute. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, let's, let's see. It's, it's an open question. I think it's a fun genre. And when I saw um, the trailers, I thought, okay, this is a good, a good premise. Um, and yet the, the payoff wasn't that great. But it wasn't, it wasn't in the technological aspects of it. Maybe we can talk about what works and what doesn't work about it. So about about films of this type. So let me kind of lay out what I what I have in mind or give you some examples. So maybe we'll just start with the example of Countdown. I'll give you I won't tell you too much about the plot. Just probably if you've seen the trailer and are interested in potentially going to see it, you already know about as much about it as I'm about to convey. But um it's a it's a movie about an app. Mm-hmm. It's a horror movie about an app where you download the app and you're told exactly how long you have until you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 
So there, there are other movies about apps. There are movies about social media. There are movies about the internet in general. Um, and this isn't entirely new. So I, I mentioned a moment ago that there are, there's at least one really good instance of this that I can think of. And that's um, the movie The Ring. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a great film. And There are lots of other elements to The Ring, but presumably without the videotape, mm-hmm. none of it can get off the ground. Yeah, um, you, right. can't, you can't get the little creepy little girl coming and telling you you're going to die in seven days and crawling out the TV. Uh, um, I may not remember all the sequels perfectly, but it seems as if the technology is necessary for this. Right, um, right. So this is you can make a distinction between two different types of tech horror movies, I think, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even three. So and they have different philosophical implications. Um, one maybe one of them doesn't have philosophical implications, but one is the um, technology can be used in a way that invites stalkers or serial killers or right. So uh, there was this movie we saw a while ago, Ratter. Do you remember this one? Mm-hmm. Um, where, where basically there's, there's a guy that's using, uh, that's spying on this woman through every conceivable bit of technology she has. So oh, he okay. knows what she's doing at all times um, because she's either on her phone or she's on her computer. And uh, these movies can be scary because heck, that seems like very realistic. We know we're being spied on at all times, not to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but Google knows what I'm doing and Facebook knows what I'm doing. Yeah, that, that used to be a conspiracy theory. And, yeah. and now it's just a now sad it's fact one of, of the ethics bull cases this year. Right, right. Um, so that Google creates a consumer profile of you and then the cops use it to see if you committed crimes is one of the ethics bull cases. Um, so I, I don't know. Those are those are those can be fun um, if you don't take them too seriously and get genuinely freaked out. Um, but I don't think there's anything particularly philosophically interesting about how you might invite right. a stalker into your life. Um, yeah, all the all the philosophical stuff is just the actions of the stalker or the irresponsibility of the person or yeah things that that the, the technology is just the vehicle by which it gets delivered. Yeah, so I'll, so here are two other closely related ways in which technology gets used in horror films. So one is um, the cursed piece of technology, mm-hmm. and the other is the haunted piece of technology. Okay, good. What's, um, what's the difference there? Okay, uh, well, so <laughs> the idea of something, of an object being cursed is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Now, if I, I'm... It really depends on what your view of something being cursed is. Now, we've had other episodes where we've talked about beings like vampires being cursed. Right. And what that typically means is that it might be the case that a curse requires intentionality and someone with some sort of supernatural power, Mm -hmm. but maybe not. Uh, You know, it seems to require that in some cases and not in others, such that like, okay, when... Uh, when someone becomes a vampire because they make this choice to pick immortality over humanity or something like that, um, or, or ha- this, different stories go in different ways, but then they're, they're cursed by God or they're cursed by mm-hmm. Satan to be soulless or something like that. Yeah, right. Um, um, so in that sense, maybe, have, uh, maybe being a cursed thing requires the intentionality of some supernatural creature. Um, but in the case of entities, it often requires the existence of a soul. So that, that's what makes, or beings, I should say. And mm-hmm. that's what makes uh, cursed objects unusual. Uh, because yeah. they're not, presumably they're not going to have a soul. Although, 
when we talk about haunted objects, that's going to get complicated. Yeah. So I wonder, are cursed objects haunted objects where they just haven't thought it through well enough? Or do you I think there's. Know. So let, let me give you an example. Um, uh, early predecessor to this kind of story that, that doesn't involve technology, but it's got, you know, a similar kind of fulcrum to make the whole thing work would be like, um, and this came up in lots of different places, um, old Twilight Zones and whatnot, um, the monkey's paw. Oh, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that that would be a haunted thing on your account? Or? I think that would, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it would be a cursed thing mm -hmm. because there, though it's engaging in behavior in a sense, there's no reason to think that I, I I'm inclined to think that when a when an object is haunted rather than cursed, then it it it, it uh, participates in intentional behavior. It mm -hmm. has mental states or something like that. Yeah, right. I, the, the on, thing doing the haunting is some sentient and some kind being. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I I take it that the the monkey's paw, you know, in inversions it'll have fingers up or down or something. Mm -hmm. um, depicting how many wishes wishes you have left or whatever whatever version of monkey's paw story you know uh, might differ but um that's not i wouldn't think that that's intentional behavior that's almost something that the curse forces the object to do yeah right. um uh but there's another conception of a, an object being cursed that you might work with and that is so when i the, I've, I've posted recently about saying i'm cursed when it comes to airlines Mm -hmm. um, and typically what I mean by that is I just have very bad luck. Mm -hmm. So there's bad luck associated with the thing. And maybe that's just a different usage of the word cursed. Yeah. And even um, there, luck doesn't really mean luck. It's just a you know colloquialism for saying I've had a string of things that are sort of unfortunate seeming. Well, and I guess it depends on what you mean by luck in that context. Because yeah. I just think of bad luck as... Um, a string of bad things coincidentally happening yeah, to you. Yeah. I've, I've undergone a spell of bad luck. Right. Um, right. I, I wasn't using luck in the sense of like, so, some people, I guess, use luck in this sense that you either possess it or you don't, that mm -hmm. a person is either a lucky person or they're an unlucky person. Right. And, or, and that'd be in the same way that somebody might be cursed or doomed, um, mm -hmm. but at the opposite end of the, the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Blessed. Or, yeah, or something sure. Something like that. Sure. One thing I think is interesting about both cursed object uh, stories and um, haunted object stories is how uh, the, these technological plots pick them up. Mm -hmm. um, because typically when you're dealing with something that's cursed or haunted, uh, you're dealing with a particular kind of hardware, you mm -hmm. know? So when a house is haunted... Um, and by that, I mean the actual house itself. Like you get that in Amityville Horror yeah. and stuff where like the, the walls might start bleeding or right. whatever. It's, it's, it's not the case that a bunch of poltergeists moved in. Yeah, there are ghosts in the house, but it's also seemingly the house itself is haunted, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, and uh, in, in those cases, you've got, yeah, like I said, uh, hardware as opposed to software. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in the case of these tech stories... Um, what's cursed is not something concrete. It's, you know, it's code, yeah. right? I mean, so which makes these stories really unusual. Right. So in, in Countdown, there's some ancient demon and it's just working through the, um, the, the hardware. 
It's working through the software. Or through the through the software. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. then ultimately also through the hardware as well. Right. Through, Presumably, but there's no reason to think that the phone itself is haunted. Right. It's, it's there's just, only reason to think the I mean. app it's, is haunted. It's just sending a message. Yeah, and, yeah. 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 So that's that's really unusual. Um, I mean, I obviously I my view is that things can be neither haunted nor cursed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the metaphysics works out in any account. But I think whether you're dealing with a an an object or software. You'll, you'd have one of the reasons why I think things can't be cursed or haunted is that you'd have the essentially the mind-body interaction problem in both cases. Right. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, so that like, how can non-physical spirits uh, interact with the physical things that they haunt? Mm-hmm. In particular, when those things like don't have intentional states, don't have minds. So if like my couch is haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, why can then, then not only, it, it seems like in horror movies, not only can my, uh, can my couch be haunted, but um, the spirits that are haunting it can cause it to have properties it doesn't actually have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like not, and, and that's a particular, particularly odd kind of mind-body interaction is that the spirit can make, make my couch bleed or what have you. Yeah, and there's also <laughs> Leibniz's lie issues, right? Uh, that's not the couch I purchased. The couch I purchased wasn't evil or sentient <laughs> yeah, or right. mystical or supernatural. Okay, so in, in The Ring, um, anyone that watches the, the video um, will die. And the um, So we, we don't want to say that the, 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 the TV is haunted or the videotape is haunted, or do we? I mean, so I, I guess the way I always took it was whatever is that's out to get you. Um, somehow, you know, it's a spooky Santa Claus thing, knows when you've watched the video, right? It's it's not that the video itself is is haunted or cursed. It's not like there's this, this haunted video. It's just this thing that manages to know when you've seen the video. Um, and, there, I, and, and there are a number of, of things that would sort of fall into this category. Um, I can't remember the title, but there was that movie we saw um, some years back where the, the people had the app and they, they signed on to do some task and they got a reward, but they had to keep doing mm-hmm. more of the tasks or something bad would mm-hmm. would befall them. And then suddenly they're asked to like put ladders between you know ninth story buildings across the street. Yeah, it had Emma Roberts in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there you just think whatever evil thing that's in the movie is doing the work through the, the app. So it's not clear that the ring falls squarely into that category, but that's how I took it. Um, and you don't think that counts as being cursed or haunted? Well, in that case, it just seems like bad people that, that can, can spy on Emma Roberts. and um, I can't remember whether there was a person or a super... Psych, uh, supernatural entity in this case, but we know that Countdown is a supernatural entity. So yeah, maybe yeah, can... and and in the, the movie with Emma Roberts, um, I don't I don't recall if we ever found that out. If it was just okay, some people would say I'm not doing it, and then they would wind up dead. Right, so yeah. it's yeah, it was scary, but it was scary in the way that movies with bad people in them are scary, as opposed to well, I don't know why I said it was it wasn't scary at all. <laughs> it was it was intended to be scary. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, 
Yeah, I, I want to bring up one other sort of very early technology um, that maybe gives rise to all of this. And this isn't um, necessarily from a, a movie or a show, um, but for I don't know how many centuries, we've had the idea of the, the chain letter, right? Where, you know, you, you receive one and oh. it says send it to <laughs> okay. so many people. So this oh, is, you know, yeah. it's technology, but just barely, right? Yeah. It's, it's something written on paper or, or something paper. bad will befall you. Yeah, if you, don't, if you don't send it to 12 people within 72 hours. and Yeah. Um, people have been terrified of those things for years. I know lots of people that receive mm -hmm. them and, and send them out. And by the way, when I was in high school, I got one and I didn't do anything with it. Um, so it didn't work. Or we can just examine my entire life and say, oh, my God, it was, it was true. I think your life's going pretty well, so I don't think that... Yeah, seemingly pretty good. I, I want my hair back. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so when, when people believe that, they believe that the chain letter actually works in the way that it is suggested that it works. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that those people then believe that the chain letter is cursed? Um, I mean, how, what's the causal mechanism? Yeah, I, I don't know what people think. What's your intuition? I'm guessing some people think... Yeah, it's got some sort of mystical force associated with it. That, you know, that, um, or they're worried that it might have, right? They're, they're yeah. worried that it might be cursed. They're erring on the side of caution. <laughs> yeah, nobody would just make one of those up and send it out if it weren't true kind of, <laughs> kind of things. You know? If it's got to me, that's because too many people felt compelled to send it. It must be legit. Um. <laughs> okay, why don't we switch gears? Another infamous modern horror movie trope is the slasher serial killer trope. And I think I'm more interested uh, for the purposes of our discussion in the, the slasher trope um, than the like documentary about a serial killer trope for the same reason uh, that I was mentioning in our first topic that like, oh, I'm not sure that there's anything philosophically interesting about the fact that serial killers are using technology to find their victims, right? That's just an unfortunate thing that actually happens, yeah. right? I'd, I would interject that the best slasher films are documentaries. Oh, we've had some, yeah, we've had some fun ones, but they're mockumentaries. Yeah, or I'm just thinking in the, in the case of the... 20,000 movies all based on the life of Ed Gein or something, right? That are, oh, you think those are the best slasher films? Well, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying that they're movies that are based on real serial killers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, and, okay. And I, was, I was sort of suggesting that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> is a documentary <laughs> where liberties have been taken. Pretty substantial <laughs> ones. <laughs> yeah, they got a mask, same, basically. Same thing. Because if you think about it, the, the same... Um, docu if you're saying it's a documentary, the same documentary is being made in Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's being made in Psycho. Mm -hmm. Right, that's right. That's both Ed Gein. Um, and Silence it, of the Lambs. And... Mm -hmm. the Buffalo Bill. Yeah. But they all exhibit pretty different traits from one another. Right. So. <laughs> it, the, the many facets of Ed Gein. Anyway, sorry to, <laughs> to derail you there. So we can make a distinction between two different kinds of slasher movies. The supernatural slasher movie and the uh, just the non-supernatural slasher movie. So, and and sometimes you don't know which one you're dealing with until well into the film, and sometimes you don't know which one you're dealing with until well into a series of films. That's what I was thinking, right? <laughs> There's all these ones where, as the sequels unfold, the the slasher gets more and more supernatural. Yeah. And, 
So you've got your standard um, scream type horror film mm-hmm. where the the killer is just one of the people, and so it becomes a, a whodunit, almost like um, you know an Agatha Christie novel. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're giving you a closed universe of suspects. And it's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> so, and whenever there's a mask involved, that's a good hint that yeah. it's going to be one of those. Right. right. Yeah. Um, the Man with Two Brains, right? Where Merv Griffin turned out to be the elevator killer. Uh, strangely, um, I didn't have that one in mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people don't think of that as a horror film. But yeah, they got the whole Frankenstein thing going there. They got the serial killer in the elevator. It's Merv Griffin, for the love of Mike. I get that most of you kids out there don't know who Merv Griffin is, but Google away. <laughs> So in the screen movies, it's it's one of those young folks running around. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the the series. Although I haven't seen the second one, so I shouldn't commit myself to saying anything about it. But the yeah, um, they could switch you up in two weeks. And... Happy Death Day. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Happy Death Day to you. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Maybe it becomes super supernatural at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, or in the early stages, it's one of those. Well, I guess yeah. it is still. I mean, there's something supernatural because they're doing the Groundhog Day, right? Thing. That's and, and you wonder whether that's supernatural or meta. Just a, an, you're in a universe with odd metaphysics, right? And and going to the first one that it didn't stop until somebody died was also really weird metaphysics. Yeah, I'll just raise the question: Is there a distinction between weird metaphysics and supernatural? Um, or are all supernatural things are all things supernatural things instances of weird metaphysics? They, they are all instances, but not vice versa, and not vice versa. Okay, yeah. And for our purposes, when we talk about supernatural as opposed to weird <laughs> metaphysics, we're talking about some kind of spooky natural, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and not just you know, because you watch Groundhog Day and there's weird metaphysics going on there, and in mm-hmm. a sense, that's supernatural. But it's not like there's some demon driving the whole thing, right? Just Bill gets into a weird loop. And... So in, in the supernatural slasher movies, I think Michael Myers or something is the yeah. standard case. Um, you've got beings with these features that... I, I don't know what you're supposed to think. I don't know what you're supposed to think if you're supposed to think that they somehow manipulate time or how it is that they can just be sauntering toward their victim mm-hmm. and still always reach their victim. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a common phenomenon, and I think that's just filmmakers taking license, right? That they're not thinking this guy's yeah. folding time or something. Mm-hmm. It's just, we'll just have him go slow, but have him get closer. And going slow is scary, and getting closer is scary. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so the Halloween series is good. Um, remembering the, the very first one, I don't think there was any reason to think that there's something about Mike Myers that was supernatural and couldn't be killed. He was just darn resilient, right? But by the second or third, that was part of the trope. Appearing in places he shouldn't be able to appear and and all this. I think like the Rob Zombie remake, right? It seems like they must have blown him up 90 times and and he's he's always there. Um, Yeah, Jason Voorhees. Same kind of thing with the Friday the 13th. Yeah. There's certainly supernatural elements there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it seems like different supernatural elements in different cases, but what's odd is we don't ever tend to think of them as ghost movies, even though it's sometimes ambiguous whether these people have actually already died. 
Yeah, yeah. We we tend to think of them neither as zombie movies nor as ghost movies, even though they, they may have died and their bodies been reanimated and they're just sort of lumbering exactly like a zombie. Yeah, <laughs> I think the, I think the the um, slasherness of these things drowns out everything else, right? So imagine a punk band playing a waltz. You wouldn't think, oh, there's a waltz. I mean, mm-hmm. no matter what, it's just <laughs> guitar screaming. You know, it can't seem like anything other than punk music, even if it's in you know three quarter time and you know they're all shouting umpapa at the top of their lungs, right? It's still. <laughs> Yeah, so another thing, another point to make about these slasher movies um, is that often, you know, you'll, it, it, on, in almost every case, there's eventually a psychologist involved. Mm-hmm. A psychologist that's worked very closely with the slasher killer, usually in a, a psychiatric institution, um, that at some point you either learn, and this shouldn't be a spoiler because... It's, it's, it's not always true, but right. it's, <laughs> it's, you know the genre, right? Yeah. It's like the cop getting killed in every single case, right? That's going to happen. Yeah. Or, or the, the, the floozy. I don't know if I can still say that. Yeah. Getting killed in every case. Oh, it's, it's part of a larger thing. So, yeah, so these guys um, always get killed, except for very rarely. It turns out they were in on it. I was about to say that, yeah. The, the whole time. Yeah. Right. But, and the, the cop always gets killed if it's a, a movie that's, um, not a slasher film, but supernatural in nature, then the expert, right? The, the mm-hmm. person that can read Sanskrit written in Latin, whatever that means. <laughs> to, <laughs> it's always something To know which like language that. the demon's speaking. Yeah, or, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, they, they've been holed up in some ivory tower waiting for this exact moment for years to, to come about because they know exactly what this demon's thinking. And um, then when they, they confront it, they're dead within seconds. Yeah. So the reason I bring up the, the psychiatrist in particular is because you almost always get in these kinds of films diagnosis pure evil. Right? <laughs> that that's that's what's happened is that you've the 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 killer involved is just one hundred percent pure evil. Um, can, it, can I just interject real quickly in case our our son listens to this in the future at some point. Notice that it's not the dad raised them bad. <laughs> it's, it's not anything the parents did. It's pure evil. <laughs> if you're at that age, just back off. Okay, sorry. Uh, okay, so like I think what's interesting about that is that I don't think that the that these slasher movies ever or the slashers involved in the slasher movies ever demonstrate the characteristics I would think you would have to demonstrate in order to be pure evil mm-hmm. so it's it it depends and this has come up before when we've talked about like vampires and stuff but what is what does it mean to be pure evil i think in a lot of horror films that's just sort of a stipulation that okay if we say this thing's evil it is if we say it's the spawn of satan it is but i te- when i conceive of something that's pure evil i think of something that and i don't even know if such a thing is conceivable or it's conceivable uh i don't know if such a thing is actually ever instantiated. Um, and so uh, I would think that it would have to be a being that was capable of making free choices, had free will, was autonomous. So that mm-hmm. alone, I don't know if that's possible. Right. Lots of these guys just have such a strong urge that there's no... Right. Also, But they're also just made and it might not be free will, in which case nobody yeah. does. Right. Um, but, but so has acts of a free will and... Um, chooses in every case to disregard the feelings of others and to care about his or her own interests above 
the suffering of others mm-hmm. in every case. Yeah. Okay. A couple things to say in response. So one, I wonder if your threshold for pure evil is not higher than, than a lot of people would, would maintain. So if you're the sort of person that, um, you know, gets a hold of people with a chainsaw, Mm-hmm. Um, while they're still alive, hangs them up on a meat hook to let their blood drain out and then removes their skin. For, for lots of people, that's good enough. That's not sufficient for me because... Yeah, you want, you I, want the intentionality. And... I'm thinking that when that happens, and this might be pretty controversial, but when that happens, uh, it is frequently the case that the person involved is mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Um, in which, I mean, not that not that it regularly happens that someone gets killed and hung right. up by a meat hook, but I mean, when somebody is able to engage in behaviors that are that bizarre, mm-hmm. it often comes about as a result of mental illness. And if that's the case, I don't think pure evil, I think mentally ill. All right, let me, I, I agree with that. Let me give you the, the other stab at it. I wonder if, um, as you said, it's sort of by stipulation, but sometimes the way these, these characters get written, you can see a difference... Um, between them and similar characters that clearly don't exhibit the same sort of pure evil-esque tendencies. So what I have in mind here are, say, like the the mutants from all those movies that are either the hills have eyes Mm -hmm. or a thousand variations, right? Mm -hmm. People are out in the woods and they just stumble across um, people and, you know, they're just, ah, you know, they don't speak, they grunt. But they can make moonshine. I don't, you know, there's yeah. <laughs> it's a hillbilly kind of stories. And and there, those folks don't appear to have the same degree of um, intentionality or the ability sure. to intend things in the same way that um, Michael Myers does or um, Leatherface. I, do, I would not, I almost conceive of, okay, actually, I don't want this to sound like ableist or something. Um, but it, we're supposed to assume in those cases, the hills have eyes type cases that we're, and I don't know how we're supposed to carve out a distinction, but we're not just supposed to think of these individuals as individuals with disabilities. We're supposed to think of them as I somehow being right. But I mean, as the X-Men teaches us, like what oh, the yeah. heck, what the heck is make something evil just because it's a mutant. Well, and the, X, the X-Men are supernatural mutants. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> They're I, weird metaphysics. They can do magic mutants where these people are just, you know... That they're just not thinking. They're animalistic. Is... Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. So that's the thing that I was worried would sound ableist. is like, uh, just because something is significantly impaired... I mean, oh, there's a lot of loaded terms here with respect to how we use the word animal. Mm-hmm. Maybe animalistic shouldn't be viewed as an insult to begin with because we're animals yeah, too. Yeah. Um, but, but, but given the fact that these, these hills have eyes type, type of creatures seem to share more in common with you know, non-human animals than they do with humans in many cases, and given the fact that we tend to think of um, non-human animals as moral patients rather than moral right. agents. Outside um, the moral sphere as far as their behaviors go. Right. Then I, I I feel like they just cannot hit the stand. They can do things that are disgusting and we may feel really uncomfortable as we watch them pluck someone's eyes out or something gross, mm-hmm. but not pure evil. Right. Well, no, but that's my point is that, that you're supposed to think that that Michael Myers, um, Leatherface, et cetera, Jason mm-hmm. Voorhees, mm-hmm. Um, are pure evil because of the, the juxtaposition oh, to okay. the Hills Have Eyes folks. 
right? So, so if you focus on these people that clearly aren't, this is my second stab at knocking up your position, although I, I'm really sympathetic to it, that you might say, okay, well, here's one reason for thinking these other things are evil, because they do understand stuff. And in some cases, you know, they, they have to be pretty clever, right? They, they have to know how to set bear traps. But and... doesn't it always seem as if they're not clever at all? I mean, this is one of the reasons why I don't find them scary, right? Like, there's, there seems to be absolutely no evidence for the claim that, say, Michael Myers is really smart, really conniving, really intelligent. Yeah. He's just... But he's smarter, invincible and but he's smarter than the hills have eyes people, right? He's, right. He's an angry, disaffected youth that you know fought with his mother and sister, and mm-hmm. you know just wasn't wasn't in step with what society wanted. He wasn't a grunting, blithering, slobbering mutant. I guess if I'm if I'm going to rank order the extent to which I think any of these forms of slashers are pure evil. I would actually start with, I would say, well, okay, maybe we'll do this in reverse order for more suspense. <laughs> um, that, that the hills have eyes, not evil at all. Right. Not even the kinds of things that could be evil. Um, then, the, then next, uh, the Mike Myers types mm-hmm. and the Jason Voorhees types mm-hmm. and so forth. And then the, the candidates that I think are most compelling for a case of pure evil are just... Not that I think there is such a thing as pure evil, but if there were, it would just be the actual humans who are capable, who who don't have any supernatural elements, who aren't compelled by some sort of metaphysical force beyond their control, or at least in some of those cases, it seems ambiguous whether they are. Yeah, the Hannibal um, Lecters, maybe they're just hungry. And... The Hannibal Lecters, although there's something endearing about Hannibal Lecter too, but um, the the uh, you know when you've got a character that's like. Ted Bundy, right? Or, mm-hmm. um, or you know, the, the, like I said, I think that's outside of the horror genre. That's more documentary genre. But when you're when you're dealing with someone that is more like um, a killer uh, in the Scream movies, mm-hmm. there's just a human being deciding to kill other human beings. That, right, that right. The, the, those those beings, assuming for a moment that they're capable of making autonomous free choices, uh, they they can they know the difference between right and wrong, and they chose to do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're just crappy, <laughs> crappy people with masks. You give teenagers a mask, one of them's going to go go wrong, and and then there's going to be trouble. And it just does it. It doesn't seem like the 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 Mike Myers types are doing the same kind of thing that the the teenagers with the bloodlust are doing. Yeah, no, I, I mean, they're, I agree. It, it almost seems like they're driven by forces outside of their control. Mm-hmm. Right, and and it's a partially accounted for by the fact that in every one of those movies there is a psychologist. Or mm-hmm. a psychiatrist that's been working with him for years and years, and you know something has gone haywire. There. Mm-hmm. It's not just a yeah, like bloodlusty. Yeah, yeah. They've been <laughs> maybe they've been cursed to Damn. bring it back around. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Rach, what what are we liking this week? Well, we went to see Countdown. That doesn't really belong in our list of things that we're liking, though. Yeah, we've discussed that a little bit um, already. Yeah, just disappointing. Um, not not very good. The performances weren't very good. The conceit was great. I, I thought this was going to be really fun. And it, it, for me, it was just flat throughout. 
Um, but yeah, we don't we don't need to beat this to death. But since we're talking about disappointment, I I just want to register. I, I talked to my class about this earlier today. Um, I'm sort of shocked at the lack of horror films this year. Right mm. um, during the Halloween season, we had it too come out, but that was earlier. Yeah. And then we've got Doctor Sleep coming out as a Christmas blockbuster. I think it, isn't it coming out like early November? Yeah, but after Halloween but still, during yeah. the during the Christmas yeah. season. Um yeah, I mean normally this time of year there's, you know, two new movies every week. You you get to pick the ones you like and um Yeah. You know, um we had scary stories to tell in the dark, but even that was much that was in like September. Earlier <laughs> yeah. than, than this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that's disappointing. Um, let's let's go to something that's that's not disappointing. So this movie came out a little while ago, um, but we just saw it um, the other night, and that's um, we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, we had a date night Saturday night and picked a movie, uh, and this one turned out to be pretty heavy. Didn't realize we were picking something quite this heavy, but it's uh, who does it star? Oh, Tilda Swinton. Yeah, Tilda yeah. Swinton. And it's about a woman who has a very challenging relationship with her antisocial son. Yeah. Who um, does unspeakable things in addition to being antisocial. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't want to spoil too much about it, um, but I would encourage anyone that's not seen it that likes, um, you know, intense movies it's not exactly horror but it's yeah uh, you and and it, the way we're describing it it might sound like the good son isn't that the movie with the really evil little boy yeah uh, or the bad seed the one with the really evil little girl yeah um but it's not <laughs> it's it's heavier than that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and, and extremely well made okay um other things that we're liking i'm, I'm going to tell you something i'm going to like um, every year around this time, I watch uh, maybe my favorite movie from my childhood, and that's Don Knotts and The Ghost of Mr. Chicken. I haven't done that yet, um, but since it's the last episode of the season, um, and I've seen it a zillion times, I'll just say, damn, that was fun. <laughs> Next week, when I when I watch it, or later this week. Hey, you got to um, watch it before Halloween, or else it's... Before it's, Halloween, it doesn't sure. count. <laughs> yeah, it's got the great haunted organ theme that I was playing on the ukulele for a little while there. Um Okay, and then the thing that I think it's fair to say that both of us are liking more than anything right now, um, and we don't want to spoil anything at all about this, but the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale came out, The Testaments, mm-hmm. and, and we um, each went through it um, in very short order. Right? Mm-hmm. We, we listened to it on Audible. And normally I, I recommend, you know, if you have your choice between listening or reading, there's something nice about reading. Um, but because some of the, the, the people reading were people involved with the show um, and did such a fantastic job, listening to this one is, is, is a real treat. It really is. Um, but man, that, that was a darn good um, book. I, I hope that in 40 years she writes another one. Some of the feet. I'm here to. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. Especially that part. Here to listen to it <laughs> um, and or read it. One thing I really like about it is I think there are some real unanswered questions about how about the structure of Gilead because they really only focus on um, pro, they focus primarily on the handmaids in The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, Adwood focuses primarily on the handmaids. And so you know about the wives and you know about the Marthas and the... Um, and the and the Lydia's or sorry no the the aunts, the aunts. Um, but you you really come to see how 
how the whole system of patriarchy works. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of good backstory and a lot of good current events. Um, so yeah, so Lydia is the um, the person that um, is more evil, the the greatest, um, the most evil conceivable being. I guess that's how I put it. And the most evil conceivable being is more evil if that being really exists. I, never mind. I'm not going to go into the ontological <laughs> argument. Ontological. Oh, okay. What a horrible way to end the season. <laughs> we'll see you in a little bit. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Okay, Rach, that's a wrap. Another episode is in the can, and once again, everything has come up Charbonneau. Please visit our webpage, that's I think ifan.com, all one word, to find out about upcoming episodes. If you would like to support I Think Therefore I Fan, please go to the webpage, click on the link at the top of the page that says Donate, and follow the instructions. As always, your support is greatly appreciated. Finally, if you enjoy this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating. It helps. See you next time.